0: But by the grace of God, I'll be bringing you the word of God for today, captioned overcoming evil. Hallelujah. Overcoming evil. Why do we have to overcome evil? How do we overcome evil? And what does God want you and me to learn? We'll go quickly into the scriptures, and I believe God will talk to you and me. Hallelujah. All right. Can you turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12? Romans chapter 12. Let me read from verses 17 through 21. Romans 12, 17 through 21. From the King James Version of the Bible I read. First, he says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. That's a powerful statement. And it's a sharp contrast to what used to be the practice under the old covenant. Under the old covenant, under the law of Moses, it was eye for eye, tooth for tooth, evil for evil. So you kill somebody and then you are killed. And Man was helpless under the law. Thank God, we the Gentiles never live under the law because I wonder how many of us could have or would have survived. But in the New Testament, after Jesus Christ went to the cross and he met all the demands of justice in his body, remember Jesus himself lived under the law and he fulfilled all the demands of the law and all the demands of justice. The only person, the only human personality who lived on the earth and could fulfill all the requirements of the law was Jesus Christ himself. No one else could. And so when he died, the Bible says he nailed the law of Moses to the cross. He abolished the law. And now he has written on the topless of our hearts, the new law—it is called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This is a new law; it's a new covenant. Please take note: we are living under a new dispensation, not the dispensation of the law. When you read the old covenant, particularly the the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You can learn a lot from these books. You can learn a lot from all the requirements of the law, but we are not supposed to live by the law in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ wants us to, Bible says all the promises, of, of all the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. They were written so that we can learn, but not to practice the law. So if, if you read the Old Covenant, for instance, and you say that, okay, it is written that I for I, two for two, so this person slapped me, so I'm going to slap him. This person took my possession, so I'm also going to take his possession. This person killed my son or my daughter, so I'm also going to kill his mother or father. You are wrong. Under the New Covenant in Christ Jesus, he says, recompense to no man evil for evil. So we don't repay evil with evil in Christ Jesus. If you couldn't do it, he wouldn't have told you. Please take note. If we couldn't have done it, God wouldn't have told us to do so. Meaning that there is something God has put on the inside of you and me, which we can I mean, use to overcome evil. I remember last Sunday when I shared the message, uh, love never fails, we discovered that love does not take record of wrong. Love bears all things believes all things. And we even discovered in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that if we should uh, lay down our lives and give all our goods to the poor and we do not have love, we are nothing. Meaning that it is possible for you to do good without love. But we have been given the love of God according to Romans chapter 5 verse 5. He says the love of Christ is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And in Galatians chapter 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and what of you. So there is love on the inside of you to begin with. Unless you are not a child of God. If you are not a child of God, you don't have what it takes to do what he tells us in Romans chapter 12 verse 17. But if you are a child of God and you are born again, you have something in you, you at least remember that God showed you love. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so you have what it takes to recompense to no man evil for evil. In other words, you can face evil from men. But he wants you and me to overcome evil. So he tells you to overcome evil, recompense no man evil for evil. Then he tells us provide of provide things rather honest in the sight of all men. Provide things honest in the sight of all men, meaning that he wants us to walk in honesty. He wants us to walk in sincerity. He wants us to be sincere about our doings in the things of God in our relationship with others he wants us to be sincere hallelujah provide things honest in the sight of all men then verse 18 says if it be possible if it be possible as much as lies in you permit me to take some water I have some itchy throats since last week. But God is faithful. Hallelujah. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Is it possible? Yes. He's telling you that there's something in you that can make you live peaceably with all men. It doesn't even depend on the other one. At the other end, it depends on you. He says, As if it be possible, as much as lies in you, he is telling you there is something in you that can make you a peacemaker, there is something in you that can make you give good to others when they even do you evil. I know there are some times where it is not possible, but rarely is the case. If it is possible, as much as lies in you. <coughs> live peaceably with all men if it be possible if it be possible the question is Is it possible with you if it is not possible you will know that this one i have done all that i should we will find from the scriptures that there are instances where well you have done your part you have exhausted all the possibilities and it cannot work let me just leave it for god but he says if it be possible. As much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Then verse 19, it says, Dearly beloved, oh, see how he addresses us. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. In other words, don't take revenge into your own hands, but rather give place unto wrath. When you think that what you're going to do will take revenge or it will compensate for evil done to you, says that you haven't seen anything yet you give place to wrath in other words let god's wrath handle the matter for the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of god that's what the bible says man's wrath does not work the righteousness of god but god's wrath can god is the only one who can exhibit his wrath and still do it in righteousness oftentimes in our anger we mess up we So he says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Then he gave the reason, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, Says the Lord. Vengeance is not mine, it's not yours, it is the Lord's. It is written. Apostle Paul is quoting a quote in the Old Covenant. It is written, vengeance is mine. Child of God, vengeance is the Lord's. I don't know who has done you evil. But God wants you to overcome that evil. I don't know who has meted out evil to you after you did good to that individual. God says that don't take vengeance into your own hands. Don't take revenge into your own hands. Don't recompense evil for evil. It is written, Vengeance is mine. I, not you and I, I will repay, say as the Lord. Let God do his own thing whilst we do what he asks us to do, okay? There are some things that are within the domain of God alone. They are outside of our domain. Let God have his proper place and leave vengeance in the hands of God. Don't take revenge into your own hands, especially as we, you know, Journey towards our electioneering period Before, during and after elections Don't take vengeance into your own hands There will be some mighty falls Okay, There will be some people that will fall And some people will rise When you rise while others are falling Don't take vengeance into your own hands You will see people who, you, you know, who used to be at the top Coming down and others climbing up Don't take vengeance into your own hands When you climb up there that's what God is telling you and me, it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, take note, our true enemy is the devil. Our adversary, the Bible says that is the devil, he walketh about, roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's Satan. But there are some human beings who also constitute themselves as enemies or they make themselves enemies. Don't be an enemy to such people, but they have made themselves enemies to you. You can so overcome their evil. And that is what God is showing you and me today. Therefore, if your enemy, he didn't even say your neighbor, he didn't even say your friend, he didn't even say your family relation, your enemy. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Wow! I don't know how many of us can do that. I said, I don't know how many of us can do that. But if we couldn't, God wouldn't have told us. He is telling you and me that your capacity, you see, many times we function below our capacity. We only know how to do good to those who do us good. We only know how to show love to those who show us love. But God is telling you and me that he has put something on the inside of us that makes us have the ability to do good even to those who show us evil, those who have made themselves or constituted themselves as enemies. So look on the inside. That is why he says, if it be possible, as much as lies in you, this morning, let the word of God search you you on the inside so you can find a certain virtue you have not utilized or you have underutilized. There's a certain capacity on the inside of you and me that God wants us to awaken so we can utilize. He says that if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Meaning you have the capacity, you have the ability, you have the know-how. It's there. Only that we have not utilized it, but it is there. And that is why God can judge you and me because if he, if we couldn't do it, he wouldn't have told us. Okay? If we couldn't do it, he wouldn't have told us. He it, it says that, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him drink. Oh, my, my, my. I, I remember when Jesus said, I test." Come on. The Savior. The one who created the heavens and the earth. You know what they gave him? They gave him vinegar. Vinegar as bitter as vinegar is they 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 took a sponge. They didn't even take a cup, they took a sponge and dipped it in vinegar and plunged it on his mouth, drank it. The man said, "I'm thirsty." Can vinegar satisfy thirst? That's what you and I did to the Savior. The one who came to ransom us from evil. So he tells you, that look, this is what you did to me. You may say, well, I wasn't there, but we did it. Because we were all in Adam. The Adamic race that did what they did to Jesus, if we were around, we would have even done worse. I'm telling you, we would have done worse. So we did it. When the Savior was thirsty, we gave him vinegar. But now he tells you and me, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him drink. It could be water, it could be something that is sweet. Give how difficult it is for the human self to accommodate and to appreciate such revelation but that is the new testament life child of God for in so doing down shall heap coals of fire on his head for what reason you will find out why it is not heaping coals of fire On the head of that enemy the human enemy to punish the person but you will discover in subsequent verses of scripture that we will read that actually god wants us to do this because he wants us to take his place and behave like he would have done if he were around what is god seeking from men that is the bottom line why is god even asking you and me to even overcome evil in the first place if it was just about you and me, then we could have done our own thing. But we not, we do not live for ourselves, we live for Christ. Apostle Paul said that, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if we're going to live for the one who died for us, there is something he wants to achieve. And he is not around. We are in his tent. And he tells us to occupy till he comes. So whilst occupying in his tent, there are some things he would want you and I to do. Though it may not seem pleasant, but for his sake and for his name's sake, if we can, and if it is possible, we should give ourselves to these things. And you will be amazed how we will be used by God to achieve his ultimate purpose and goal. Child of God, it's not about you and me, it's about God Almighty whose aim is to seek the repentance of all men. I will show you the scripture. God seeks that men will repent. And so he wants you and me to do good for a reason. So he says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on the person's head. Not to, as a form of punishment, but as a form of bringing that person to the place of awareness that, oh, I did evil to so, so and so, see how he has repaid me with good. And out of that shame, out of that remorse, out of that brokenness and awareness, that person may come to repentance because that's what God is looking for. So he says, for you so doing that a so heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil. What does that mean? In other words, don't let evil overpower you. Don't let that evil eat you up so much that now you are also looking for a way to revenge, to retaliate. Be not overcome of evil. Meaning that we have what it takes to tame evil. Not to let evil overpower us. Probably you were despised. Probably your good was returned with evil. Probably your good intentions were misconstrued, misinterpreted, and then you were bashed in the face, spat in the face. Whatever anybody does to us, child of God, Jesus also went through the same. Don't you remember we spat in his face? Yes, we did. We hit him on the head and blind, blindfolded him and said, prophesy, who hits you? We took his garment and parted it into two. I mean into, into portions and shared it amongst ourselves. They did it, but we did it also because we are of the same stock, the Adamic race. If we were around, like I said, we would have even done worse. So all these things we did to the Savior, that is why he tells you and me that, look, he has paid the price, okay? He bore our infirmities. He bore our weaknesses. He bore our rebellion. He accommodated all that we did to him. Now he tells you and me, take my place and do what. I would have done if I were around. So if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Or give him a drink. For in so doing, you heap coals of fire on his head. Then he said, be not overcome of evil. Then he said, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. We are talking about overcoming evil today. In other words, when people do us evil... When human enemies, those who have made themselves enemies, everybody is supposed to be loved. But if somebody, in spite of the love you show, still makes him or herself an enemy, he says, don't be overcome by that evil that the person is doing to you, but overcome evil with good. It is like light that is stronger than darkness. Good is stronger than evil. So when people bring evil, Don't retaliate evil for evil. Why? Because whatever a man sows, that is what he will reap. So if you give evil for evil, you will reap evil subsequently. So be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The question is, can you do it? Yes. Emphatically, yes. You can. I said you can. The God who put these words in these verses of scripture Knows what he has put on the inside of you. Look inward, son of God. There is something on the inside of you that can make you good. Do good. It will, it will, that can make you live the life of the the Christ here on earth. Behave like the Christ. Okay, let me show you a scripture in Romans chapter 2, the same book of Romans chapter 2, the verse 4. Why does God want us to show good? When people have shown us evil, why? What is God's aim? Romans 2 4 can give us an idea. Apostle Paul, writing in Romans chapter 2, the verse 4, he, he asks a question. He says, Or oh, despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering? Are you despising the riches of God's goodness, of God's forbearance, of God's long suffering? Then he asks a question, not knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance? Listen, it's not every time that you may punish somebody, for instance, in imprisonment, you take the person to prison and then the person will repent. Sometimes, some people have been incarcerated, they have been cast into prison and they came out or they came back worse than they were before. Are you hearing me? It's not every time that you have to lash somebody so as to show the person that he or she needs to repent. God intrinsically is good. And he does good for one reason, so that you and I will repent. You just think about it. Psalm 130 verse 3 says, If you, Lord, oh love, so mark iniquities, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. God shows us kindness. He shows us goodness. He shows us forgiveness so that we will repent. And he wants you and me to emulate him. God wants you and me to take up the role of doing good for one reason. To lead others to repentance. Okay? That is the bottom line. That is the essence of today's message. Overcoming evil. We are overcome evil with good for one reason so that at least those who thought that we're going to repay them evil for evil they will change their mind they will have coals of fire heap on their head that will torment them under under the the conviction of god until they now repent and say that i changed my mind i want to come to know your god in other words, through your goodness to those who show you evil, you can become an ambassador of Christ. You can become a representative of Christ. They can see the God nature in you. They will realize that after all, I meant so much evil, but see what this person has done. He has done me so much good. I think his God must be a good God. Let me follow after his God. So you will discover that it's not even about you, but it's about the ultimate evil purpose of God, the ultimate goal of God in ensuring that you and me through our goodness to those who show us evil will lead them to repentance. Why repentance? Can I ask a question? Why repentance? And the the next verse, second, Peter chapter 3 verse 9 will explain to us why repentance. He says, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Do you see why God, God has shown us so much good. And you don't have to take God's goodness for granted out of God. In case God has shown you so much good and he has not recompensed to you evil for evil. And you are still living in sin. He wants you to know that it's not because he cannot punish your, your rebellion. It's not because he cannot punish your, your wrongdoing. But it's because he wants you to repent. That is why he keeps showing you good. In fact, this explains why oftentimes you see the wicked living even longer than man would have expected. Why? Because God does not wish that any shall perish. That's the scripture I want to read. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 from the King James Version. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. The promise of his coming is what he's referring to here. He has promised that he is coming back. He has promised he will never fail. He will never fail. His promise is yes and amen. And I'm telling you, in the fullness of time, he will honor his word. He will come back. He says, I'm coming back soon. And that soon, is so soon, he's coming back indeed. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. God is long-suffering. He bears with our wrongdoing, not because he cannot punish us, but why? Not willing. Not willing that any should perish. Hey, look at God's will for you and me. It is not the will of God that any should perish. But what? But that all should come to repentance. God does not will, he does not wish that any should perish because Jesus Christ already went to hell in our name. He took my place and your place. He died my death and your death. He went to hell in my name and in your name. And he met the demands of justice in his spirit. And in his physical body, when he hung on the cross, now in hell, in his spirit, he met all the demands of justice. And after he had fulfilled the demands of justice, the Bible says he was justified in the spirit. In other words, he was made right. The one who carried my sin in the spirit now had his blood so efficacious to wash my sins and your sins. And then we were justified. The goodness of God leads men to repentance. So when God says that we should overcome evil with good, He has a goal in mind. He wants somebody to repent. He wants somebody to change his or her mind. Maybe they have a very warped mentality about God Almighty. Maybe they think as God, I mean they think about God as wicked, as, you know, not, not forgiving. As one who is so slow that he does not even answer speedily. They have a certain, you know, ideology and philosophy about God. But you and I are God's representative. So he says that for the sake of his name, for the sake of others who may not have access to the Bible you and I read, let them read you. You are the epistle of God. So when they do you evil, show them good. So that through your goodness, you will lead them to repentance. Because in doing so, you are heaping coals of fire on their head. And that coals of fire is not a form of punishment. It's a form of saying that, see, I love you in spite of your hatred for me. I love you in spite of your indifference towards me. I love you. I'm so committed to your well-being regardless of how you treat me. And that goodness, for all you know, can lead that individual to repent. May God achieve his aim through you and me. That is why he says, overcome evil. So not willing that any shall perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's wish. He does not wish that any shall perish. He wants men, according to 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, he says that for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants all men to be saved. He does not will that any shall perish. He wants all men to be saved. Why don't we make God's will our will? Why don't we make God's wish our wish? Why don't we make God's dream our dream? That is why we are representing Him. Our work with God is to train us to come to the place where we now make God's wish our wish. We think like God. We talk like God. We do as God would have done. May God give you and me the grace in the name of Jesus Christ that we will also come to the place not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and because you are seeking the repentance of that brother, of that sister who has made him or herself an enemy when they do you evil don't recompense evil for evil. On the contrary don't be overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. All right. Let me read the last set of scripture and then we can pray. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Galatians 6, verse 9 and 10. You see, all that I've shared, I know that there will certainly be exceptions. Okay? There will certainly be certain individuals. The Bible describes as wicked and unreasonable men. People who have sold themselves to Satan. They have sold their souls to Satan. There are people who are witches by default. In other words, they they inherited the witchcraft. Somebody put witchcraft probably through their food or through their water. Or when they were bathing them at birth, then they planted the witchcraft. That's Africa for you, I'm telling you. There are people who are avowed witches. Also, there are those who know they are witches or wizards. They are into evil deeds and they have sold their souls to Satan. Such people, okay, no matter what good you show them, they may not repent. However, God still wants us to show good anyway. I remember Apostle Paul met a kind like that. He calls him Alexander the Coppersmith not Alexander the Owani, <laughs> he's a good man, but Alexander the coppersmith did Apostle Paul so much evil to the extent that he opened his mouth and said that the Lord recompense unto him. Oh my God, I can imagine. This is where some people pick, you know, inspiration, and then they begin to say, fire for fire, eye for eye. I can understand there are people like that who are evil, They have sold themselves to evil. They have become deputy devils. Okay? Deputy devils and they can do evil without remorse. They are people like that. However, that is why he says that do not take vengeance into your own hands. It is not within your purview, your domain to now take responsibility to do evil for evil. Okay, what about a man like Apostle Paul who was doing havoc to the church. He was so injurious to the church. He was, he had even re, i mean received letters eh? and was on his way to Damascus to arrest the saints who were of the way. They called them the people of the way. And to Apostle Paul in those days if you were not of the Jewish stock and you were not of the Jewish faith, you were wrong. And so he had the authority and the mandate to arrest all such people, the saints, and kill them. And in fact, he managed to supervise the killing of the first martyr, that is, uh, Stephen, the first martyr, who preached and under conviction, the Bible says that they couldn't, you know, take his word any longer. So they shut their ears and ran towards him, and took stones, and took him outside of the city, and stoned him until he died. Now, whilst they were stoning Stephen, the first martyr, the Bible says that, Apostle Paul, then he was called Saul. His name Saul is a Hebrew name, because he was a Hebrew. But because God was sending him to the Gentiles, he had to give him a Gentile name or a name that the Gentiles could associate with. So he named him Paul, which is the, um, the Gentile equivalent, the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Saul. Are you there? All right. So Saul, or Paul, the apostle, at that time was supervising the death of Stephen. The Bible says everybody who was going to, you know, they had their clothes, on them, they removed their clothes and put it at the feet of Saul or Paul, and then they took stones and they stoned Stephen to death. And I can imagine in the mind of Apostle Paul at the time, because he was practicing the law at the time, that was righteousness, because eye for eye, tooth for tooth, if you blaspheme against the name of the Lord, you suffer death. And to to to, to Apostle Paul at the time who was then called Saul, and to all the Jews who stoned Stephen to death, Stephen had become blasphemous. So they were right. In the eyes of the Jewish law, to take vengeance into their own hands, according to the law of Moses, and stone Stephen to death. But in Christ Jesus, he says, don't take vengeance into your own hands. Recompense to no man evil for evil. No, don't do that. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. says the Lord. I will repay. Let God do His own. And do your own. What is He asking you and me to do? Don't be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay. So He said, I have done all that I should. Let's read the last set of Scripture. I have done all that I could. But this person is not changing. Just leave it to God. If the, the I mean, Stephen, the first martyr, had prayed against someone like Apostle Paul, okay, Saul, and said, God, don't lay this sin, I mean, uh, mean, lay this sin to his child, if you had prayed that kind of prayer, if you had said that, Lord, never forgive this man, let this sin, be extended from him to the third and fourth generation of his descendants and let his descendants be wide from the surface of the earth. I saw I saw behind uh, a taxi during the last week I was driving and I saw a taxi ahead of me and then behind the, the window he had written, kill them with your prayers. <laughs> I laughed. I said, hey! We don't kill with prayers, child of God. He said, kill them with your prayers. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Don't You see, if you are righteous and there is no sin whatsoever, you have never sinned before and all your life, you have never offended anybody before, then you can go ahead and kill with your prayers. But I dare say that all of us, if God should mark our iniquities, none of us will stand. And so, learn to show mercy because God showed you mercy and showed me mercy. But if you are the type who say that, okay, he did evil and so I'm taking the word of God and I am going to kill him in my prayer. Listen, your prayer may work because you are using an anointing. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what you speak may work, but mind you, the word of God is a double-edged sword. Okay? Double-edged sword. It cuts here and it cuts there. It cuts here, it cuts there. It cuts here and it cuts there. So the same word you are using to kill somebody. The law that said, thou shalt not steal, is the same law that said, thou shalt not uh, convert your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your neighbor's property. So if you killed, let's say for instance, because of a certain offense, and you also offend in another way, the same word, hmm, as a double-edged sword will not begin to work against you. So you discover that those who kill with your prayers, you just do your own survey. I have done a survey, and I will not mention names here, but I did a survey across the globe from Generations past to present generation, those who kill with their prayers, you will discover that they also don't live long on the earth. They go when when I mean it is least expected. They go when it is least expected. So if you want to live long, Bible says anybody who wants to live long should refrain his lips from speaking guile. You should refrain your tongue from speaking evil. Don't use your tongue to curse and to bless. The Bible says in the book of James, I mean, my brethren, it ought not to be like that. It ought not to be like that. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing, it ought not to be like that. Maybe I'll read that scripture if you will permit me. But before I read that scripture, let me read this scripture. I was going to read Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If you are doing good to the one that has done you evil, he may reap evil, but your good will break his harvest also. Yeah, that's God for you. Let us not be weary in well-doing, in doing well, in doing good. For in due season, there is always a due season, we shall reap. If we faint not, we shall reap. Verse 10 says, as we have therefore opportunity. Oh, I like that. I know sometimes the opportunity is not there. But if you do have the opportunity, he says, let us do good, first and foremost, to all men including that enemy, child of God, including that enemy, let us do good to all men. Then he clarified it further. He said, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You see the distinction God draws. First, he wants us to do good to all men. Then he gives a certain special attention. In other words, the first people we are supposed to show good to are those who are of the household of faith. But in the mind of God, the household of faith, they are already born again. But He wants us to do good to all men for one reason, so that through our goodness towards others, others will be led to repentance. And then they will also come to the saving knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. God loves you and me, child of God. I was going to bring a scripture. Let me bring that scripture, if you permit me. And then I can round up my message today. Out of the same mouth proceeds evil and good. He says it ought not to be like that. Mm. Out of the same mouth. James. Apostle James. Okay. He tells us the right use of our tongue time will not permit me to read all of Apostle James chapter in chapter 3 but let me take it from verse 9 into 10 therewith he's talking about the tongue, he says therewith bless we God even the Father and therewith curse we men who are made after the similitude of God in other words they are made in the image and likeness of God Verse 10, it says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Oh, I like it. The New Testament has changed the whole thing. Child of God, are you learning from Christ? He says, my brethren, it ought not to be like that. Don't use your tongue to be cursing a human being and using the same tongue to blessing Almighty God. Vengeance is a loss. Leave it for God. Leave it for God. Leave it for God. Don't take vengeance into your own hands. I said, those who live by the sword, they die by the sword. Those who who kill with their prayer. In case you were brought up from that kind of environment where you kill people with your prayer, it may work because death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, I eat the fruit thereof. So as you are using death. Mind you, the word of God that is proceeding out of your mouth, okay, is a double-edged sword. One day, the same word will find offense in you or with you and may also judge you. And at that time, because you did not show mercy, you may not receive mercy. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as I bring my message to a close, that God Almighty will help us to appreciate the season that we have found ourselves in. What is God teaching you and me? Maybe when I run up all that I've been sharing this month, you appreciate the message. First, I spoke about fear not. Then I spoke about the manifestation of the sons of God. And then I spoke about, last week I spoke about uh, love never fails. And now God is telling you and me, overcome evil. Next week, he wants me to bring a message caption, a lifestyle or a life that pleases God. Let me put it that way, a life that pleases god what is that life that pleases god we will find out hallelujah i believe that the ultimate goal of our christian work is so that we will please god and so we'll run up everything this month five solid sundays by sharing in next week's message a life that pleases god don't miss out next week as well 10 a.m to 12 noon gmt and I believe my life and your life will never be the same again. But before we run up today's message, you want to lift up your voice and pray and say, God, I have set my heart and I've discovered that I have repaid evil for evil. I have imagined evil towards this brother, towards this sister. I have not wished this brother or this sister well. Instead of blessing, I have cares. I ask for forgiveness. I ask for pardon. Pardon my iniquity, O Lord. Wash me with the precious blood of Jesus. Cleanse me, O God, because if you should mark my iniquities, I will not stand. But there is forgiveness with you, Lord, that, I, that 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 you may be feared. There is forgiveness with you. Wash me, O God. Wash me, O God. Cleanse me. Open your mouth, child of God, and ask God for cleansing, for washing, for purging. In any area we must have taking vengeance into our own hands. In any area, we must have have done evil for evil. In any area, we have even prayed so-called dangerous prayers. And those prayers are seeds we have sown. And now we are about to reap the fruit of of the sins we sowed, we are asking God for pardon, because His mercy triumphs over judgment. That in His wrath He will remember mercy; that He will pardon our iniquity. He will wash us with His precious blood and cleanse us and purge us and purify us. Oh God Almighty, wash me, O oh God. Cleanse me, O God. Purify my heart, O God. Make me whole again. Make me whole again. Let me serve you in spirit and in truth, O God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.